All right, welcome to the Ali Show. And on this episode, um, we have very special guest today, uh, Mr. Junior Far, professional heavyweight boxer, undefeated, 19 and 0. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And nine fights by way of uh, knockout or technical knockout. Yep. Oh man, I know my numbers. Eh? I actually checked Wikipedia. But... <laughs> actually, I should check that too because I don't know. <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm trusting that you've done your homework because I'm, I'm like, yeah, that yeah, sounds right. I, I did a bit of checking, bro. Oh, sweet, like, bro. I better get the facts right. Eh? <laughs> anyway, how are you, Junior? I'm very good. I'm very good, man. I'm, uh, you know, thankful for uh, being here. I've been watching your podcast, bro. You've been doing a great job, my man. Oh, great thanks, job. man. So, yeah. So, I appreciate it, but I appreciate the love, man. Um, you know, I just had a. Um, during the whole lockdown and um, when I actually injured, I broke my foot, um, you know, it was just something that I wanted to get into and yeah. I always wanted to get into, but, I, you know, I didn't have the knowledge or, or like the, you know, the equipment that I needed to do it. So I was like, you know, it's no, there's no better time to do it than now. So yeah, yeah, invested in it and then, you know, just gave it a go, you know. Actually, no, yeah, man, like you're 100% right, bro. By the time, by the way that this world is like going so far, mm. it seems, it seems like, going online for some kind of uh, work is the way to go because, uh, you know, um, sporting events aren't going to be as big as they were mm. now with this whole lockdown happening. I'm just thankful right now that I'm in a level two lockdown. You know, I got myself out of Auckland. Yeah. Um, uh, here yeah, that was, that, was a pretty good, that was a pretty good move, um, you know, just to be safe so you could still keep training. And Yeah, but 100%, 100%. You know, I was... Um, I was saying this morning on the last lockdown that we had, we went into level four, when the whole country went into level four and I was training at home. Um, I learned from there that I had to be somewhere else, you know, that I had to put myself in another environment because when I'm at home, my mindset kind of drops, you know, mm. it just naturally drops. And then so when the announcement came on, uh, when was it last week sometime, saying that Auckland's going to go into level three and saying that... Um, that the that the rest of New Zealand will be in level two. I just knew that I had to get out of Auckland because the gyms were going to close. I wasn't going to be able to train the way I was. You know, I got myself into a good pattern. Um, and then yeah, and then as soon as level three happened, I was like, nah, I got to get myself out. So we went out to Morrinsville, and then here I am in Hamilton training. Awesome, bro. Yeah. That's the one. Eh? <laughs> uh, but it's I mean, on that topic, bro, it's it's pretty strange times, man. You know, 100%, bro. it's just so weird, you know, like um, we just we just went into, you know, we came out of a lockdown and now it's like the, well, hopefully it's not the second wave, you know, like some of the other countries. Well, it is, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not as big yeah. as what some of the other countries have, you know, been getting into. So that's. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Eh? Like it's, it's, it's pretty good because this one's. This one doesn't seem to be so sporadic. It seems to be coming from one source. Mm. Uh, where that source started, I don't really know because they said it wasn't from a from like an overseas travel thing. Hey, did yeah, they like, I, I don't think they actually do know. But you know, like, well, that could have been the only way that it was coming from yeah, outside. Sure, yeah. you know, it couldn't be from here because we were, you know, free already. Mm. You know, we didn't have any cases for like quite a while. Yeah, a long time. So it okay. must have come from outside, but you know, it doesn't matter. Like the, it's funny how they they, they start blaming people and stuff like that. Like it's not their fault, bro. You know? I like what um, Ashley Bloomfield keeps on saying. You know, mm. he keeps on insisting that 
like it's not oh, saying that we shouldn't blame the people. It's the virus that's the problem, not mm. the people. That's right, hundred percent. Um, yeah, and then like you know, he he keeps on saying that the virus does not discriminate. Um, I think yeah, I think the reason why he says that because because where the virus is right now, it's in South Auckland, mm. and uh, and who it's infected right now is a Pacific Islander family. So mm. they say, and then like you know, and then I know. We get like a lot of backlash right now because mm. of because like you know South Auckland just has a bad rap of just being a bad place, mm. and um, and I think someone shared a post on Instagram which I really liked what Ashley Bloomfield said, which is exactly what I said before. You know, it's not the people that's a problem; it's the mm. virus. Stop blaming the people. Definitely, bro. Yeah. Definitely, like you, you can't control these things, bro. You know, yeah, it, it can hit anybody, and if it does, like it doesn't matter what color you are or whatever what age you are and that, that was one yeah, of the things sucks. that we were talking about as well yeah like it doesn't matter some of the younger fellas think that you know we'll be fine but yeah but it's not about them you mm. know it's about the older fellas that we've got yeah, to protect well, you know and i think in some some of the other countries i was looking at some statistics as well um there have been some deaths bro, with the younger uh, people true yeah so you know That's it crazy. doesn't matter what age you are really yeah you know I feel I feel like I have to take my beanie off and start putting my tinfoil hat on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're gonna start talking about conspiracies, bro. <laughs> no, no, okay. Let, let's let's not dive too deep into that topic, bro. Um, but yeah, um, Junior. Okay, so for those of you who don't know about Junior, um, could you just give us like a brief introduction about yourself, bro? Sure. Um, so I'm uh, 30 years old. I'm of Tongan background. Um, I, I am a professional boxer. I've been boxing since uh, 2006. Mm. Uh, yeah, so a long, long time. I started boxing when I was... 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're good at maths. I was trying to do it, do it while, while I was talking, <laughs> but I'm just like, nah. <laughs> Can't do it. Been punched too many times. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I've been, you know, boxing for a while. Uh, and... Um, and then, like, you know, I, I consider myself a family man. I got a wife and two kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a boy six years old. Got a girl four years old. Um, they're all happy and healthy. And, uh, yeah, and then that's pretty much me. Nice. Um, I, want, I just want to touch on, like, um, you know, your early beginnings, you know, back in 2006 when you started boxing. How did, how did you come about, like, starting boxing or? Um, so growing up, I saw two sports. You know, I saw rugby because I'm a Kiwi yeah. and like, you know, we love it's our rugby. Common. Yeah. yeah. So I saw rugby and I saw boxing. Boxing came from my father. So my dad used to box back in the day. And uh, when I was growing up, he was just training downstairs, you know, it was always on the bag. It was always, uh, you know, doing weights or punching the air or something. So I used to work with him, um, work with him like, you know, like after school I'll come home and then he'll finish work, he'll uh, do his work in the garden and then he'll come downstairs and then he'll do his weights or do his boxing drills and then I'll come and join him. Um, and I liked it, you know. At that time I was playing rugby. I didn't like rugby. Mm. You know, I didn't enjoy the sport. Uh, it's, 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 it's funny when I tell people why I didn't like rugby because um, the reason why I didn't like it is because it's so physical. You know, it's a very physical sport. Even though I'm doing boxing right now, which is very, very physical, I just saw rugby as more like a um, 
I, I, I just saw it as more, more brutal, you know? You're mm. just sprinting towards each other, it's a crashing lot of, into yeah. each other, man. There's a lot of contact, you know, and it's contact's on the body. Mm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I didn't really like that, but I like the, uh, I like the more tactical approach of boxing, you know? Boxing, you uh, come in and you're trying to figure out patterns and you try to, try to deal with different styles. Um, and that's what I liked. And then when I was 15, I asked my dad if I can do boxing. He said no. Um, but then as that year went on, um, he finally took me to a boxing gym and I loved it. You know, I loved it. And he saw that I liked it. He saw that I was good. And then we just kept on going back to the gym. And then it just progressed from there. Were you, a, were you a big kid as well, bro? Because for the people who, who don't know, Junior is a big guy, bro. Like, I don't know if you can see from the, from the video, but he's like, when I first saw him, I was like, man, this guy's huge, bro. But um, like, when, growing up, were you a, like, you know, bigger side? Obviously, you were a tall, big kid as well. Yeah. Like, so when you're saying, you know, like playing rugby and all that, you know, if I was some of the other kids, bro, I'd be, I'd be, wor <laughs> I'd be worried about getting tackled by you. Bro. Like, I don't want to be anywhere close to you. Man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, man, I was always a big kid, you know, I was always a big kid, but I've always had a real soft nature about myself. You know, I was never, a, I was never an aggressive kid. Um, like, you know, just a big, big. Gentle boy, giant. You know? Yeah, pretty much, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was funny, I, um, there was a Facebook post that my friend tagged me in not too long ago and um it was an old picture from our form three class in high school so that's mm -hmm. year nine mm -hmm. so um yeah so that's our first year in high school and uh the height difference between me and the rest of the class <laughs> is hilarious bro like yeah man like i'm like two heads above everyone else that's funny yeah so yeah man i was always a big kid mm. so when when you um first started was the first uh, gym um was it in auckland that you went to start learning boxing yeah so uh the first gym that we went to was a gym in Otara. so we uh we got linked up with this uh Samoan coach his name was willie mm -hmm. um i think he's passed on now um so yeah rest in peace to his rest family peace. so uh we, we started with him in Otara, then he shifted his gym to Odahu, mm -hmm. and then uh i continued training there with him and then we planned a fight so uh, I got myself ready for my fight and then I went to the ABA where I was supposed to fight, but he didn't turn up. So yeah, so my coach didn't turn up. Um, and then that night I didn't end up fighting, but I ended up meeting Lolo Hemuli. Lolo Hemuli was there. Um, I saw his fighters and his fighters were good, man. Mm. Um, I just remember this uh, young kid. I'm pretty sure there was... I'm uh, pretty sure there was... I'm pretty sure there was... Uh, one of the Pomale brothers. Um, if you're from Balmoral Liga, you'll know who I'm talking about. There were mm. these three um, young boys. Okay. Very, very talented boxers, you know. Um, so, yeah. So, I saw one of them box and then I was like, man, those guys are really good. I met Lolo. Lolo invited me to his gym in Balmoral. I'm from Papakura. Mm. So, that's that's uh, quite a long travel. So, um, so we checked it out. We uh, went there once and we liked it, you know because of the level of um, talent there was just very, very high. There's been a lot of good comments about Balmoral, yeah, you know. Yeah, man, yeah, Balmoral League, guys, especially, especially the place where I went to back when they were at the back of the church. This was when uh, 
this was when Doug and Eugene were still training, you know. Mm. So, so before I went to CKB, I I, I actually knew those guys mm -hmm. through Bamoriga, um, just because I used to train alongside them. So, um, yeah. So I came into the gym, big afro. I had a big afro as a kid. You know, <laughs> I think I've seen scruffy, some photos, <laughs> yeah, scruffy dude, you know. Uh, yeah, then I started boxing with him and I liked it. And we just kept on traveling from Papakura to Balmoral. And that was a long travel back then because there was only one one, um, one way in, one way out type of thing. Uh, it's different now because of that state, oh, because of that state Highway 20. Mm -hmm. So there's different ways to get to the city now. But back then it was just one way and it was busy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So like um, you had to travel by bus and no, no, no. your dad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so my dad will uh, take me after work, mm. and yeah, that was a long travel, man. Yeah, but there's a lot of commitment from your dad as well, eh? Yeah, man. Yeah, man, 100%. Yeah, so he used to finish work, come pick me up, and then we used to travel a few hours to the gym. Wow. Maybe two. Yeah, probably two on the really bad days. But um, I remember, like, a few, <laughs> a few times he would finish work, come home, and I wouldn't be home. Because I would be out playing basketball, or playing basketball with my friends, or just eating fish and chips with my friends, you know. <laughs> and then he would just drive through the town, yeah, and then find me and say, "Junior, get your butt in the van. <laughs> We're going to training, you know." Yeah, bro. So, uh, yeah, so that happened sometimes, you know. There were some days where I didn't want to go to training, mm. but he, you know, needed that push, you know. Yeah, definitely, mm -hmm. bro. Definitely, like um. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. You have you have a dad who's like, you know, your number one supporter and he's like pushing you as well, you know? Yeah, about 100%. Because I, I, I remember he was talking about it. He, he was saying um, if I wasn't good, he wouldn't push me as much. Mm. But he saw that I was good and mm. he knew that I could make, um, make a comfortable living from this. So he pushed me towards it. You know? and, and I think that's something that I need to keep in mind too when I'm raising my kids is that like you know i can let them choose their own paths but if i see mm. see potential in a certain area the, yeah 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 man if i see potential in a certain area that they choose to go but if, if, if they start to get lazy i can't just let them get lazy you know i gotta push them towards towards what they're good at what they're naturally talented at and like you know something they could like live off so because yeah, um, when you're younger it's quite hard like you know it's hard, quite hard to really decide yeah, 100%. you know what you want to do, yeah. or you know, like you don't really know. Like you can't nah. really expect you know a kid to make big decisions in life. You know? Nah, you nah, know whatever they, they have interests or they like to do. Obviously, you want to help them to mm. you know um, work on it and get better at it. And you know if they reach a certain level, then you know you see you see the potential and you know keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's 100%. it's it's awesome. Like you know um, how your dad actually was so committed to you know keeping you on track bro. yeah 100%. That's, that's pretty impressive man i mean and look, looking at where you are now how much you've achieved you mm. know like well thanks to your dad yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out yeah. to your dad very very grateful for that mm. <laughs> hey guys ali here just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast we appreciate your love and your support if you're not already on board please do follow us on here and share it with your friends and family if you prefer a visual experience, our videos are actually up on YouTube at The Ali Channel. Please don't forget to subscribe, like and share and leave a comment or feedback if you like. And also you can follow us on our socials at the underscore Ali underscore channel for Instagram. 
and on our Facebook page at The Ali Channel. We'll see you soon and I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. The moral, bro. So what was that? The whole experience there with the other fighters and, you know, with like Eugene and Doug and and even Cairo, who was on our last mm. um, episode, he was... He yeah. came out of Balmoral as well. Yeah. So, uh, so we, so back then, um, I'm, I'm just trying to think back to who's actually still fighting now that I can talk about, but I, not too much comes to mind. What about Hemi? Hemi, was- nah, Hemi wasn't there. So, mm. so, so back then, so the time that I'm talking about is in 2006 slash 2007. That was when they were still at the Balmoral gym. Um, and then after that, then, then we kind of changed gyms to a, to like a little spot in uh, Sandringham, just down the road. We were training at his garage for a bit. And, uh, and then we went to ABA. And then we went to City Boxing. When we shifted to city boxing, that's I think that's when Cairo George came along. I think that's when a lot of the other boys came along. Mm. Um, Hemi came along when we were out west as well, so that was before city boxing. Uh, but yeah, but um, but talking about the training back then, we were sparring every day, you know, <laughs> sparring every day, and uh, yes, yeah, sparring was always good because you know there's there's plenty of talent, mm. and we've kind of kept the same thing in city kick uh, in, in in city kickboxing. So, you know, so you don't limit your sparring to just the people that are your weight mm. and, and um, your size, you know, you just spar anyone. Of course, you have to drop the intensity yeah. if, you're like two, uh, if you're like two times bigger than the fellow yeah. you're sparring or like, you know, you definitely got to drop the power if, uh, if you're sparring a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we've like kept that in city kickboxing. <clears throat> um, and I think it's good because... When you go into fights, you're gonna fight people from like you know different backgrounds, different shapes, different sizes, different styles, bro. different styles. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so I did like that approach with that gym, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, man, there was just a lot of talent there. It was great because we were sparring all the time, so we get to try different things all the time, and the fitness was great, and uh, just Lolo, just, yeah, he's just a great mastermind of the sport, man. Got a yeah, very, bro, a, a very lot, good fighting brain, man. There's just so many people who gave like a lot of comments about him, and um, like not a lot of people know, but you know, yeah. he he is actually the brains behind a lot of the fighters He's, that yeah. we know about. You know, so that's pretty interesting. Maybe one day I might get to do a, a interview or a podcast with him as well. You know, he's yeah, yeah he's he's very very good, man. Mm-hmm. Very very mm-hmm. good. Um, so talking about like uh, your amateur days, um, how you, I understand you had quite an interesting uh, amateur career. Like you actually went on to travel. Um, you competed in the uh, WSB, which is the World Series Boxing, mm-hmm. and um, you went to a few places as well. Could you could tell us a little bit about it and some interesting stories, maybe? Yeah, sure. So uh, World Series Boxing. I remember when I first got picked for that. So that was back in two thousand and. I think 2012, 2012, uh, I was chosen to box for the Mumbai fighters. So mm-hmm. they were based in India and um, Mumbai. I think we just, where we lived was just slightly out of Mumbai. Um, but that was cool. So I traveled over there, but then I got stuck in transit. Ooh. So I left here 
and my passport was going to expire within was it three months or six months? Six months, I think. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah six months. So, uh, so they let me through here, but they told me that there's going to be a possibility that I can't get to India. Mm. Um, so I travelled from here to Hong Kong. And in Hong Kong, I got stuck. <laughs> oh, so I went to Hong Kong and um, I couldn't get on the plane. They weren't going to let me on the plane. And I had a couple of dollars in my pocket. Oh, my <laughs> so you, did, you, you was alone as well? Yeah, I was alone. I was young. Um, so, I, so I got the money. I changed it to their money. And then I used those coins and I put it in the um, phone. Uh, box thingy so yeah so i so i put the coins in and i dialed my did he have to like spin the thing to dial nah bro <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i put the coins in the phone box and then i and then i called my girlfriend yeah which is my wife now yeah so i called my oh, so girlfriend you guys go way back yeah, yeah a long time bro so we started dating back in 2008 oh, wow. yeah. um so yeah so i called my um girlfriend back yeah, then yeah going back then <laughs> and then i told her the story you know i had basically one minute two minutes max wow. yeah, bro. yeah bro. so i yeah so i you had to wrap it, so yeah, I called wrap it her. up i said um i'm stuck in hong kong i don't know what to do can you go and tell someone mm. uh and then the phone died and then that was me bro i was stuck in the hong kong airport i went for a walk around and then i noticed there was mandarins outside of the airport uh, um Airport, so I picked some of those mandarins just in case I'm gonna be camping there, you know? Because wow. I had no food, I had no money. So they actually let you out of the like the waiting area because you were in transit. Yeah, so I was yeah, so I was in one of the airports. So it's not like yeah, so they didn't like keep me like in the area where you can't get out. I mm. think they let me out, but I had to link on to like a new Oh, so you had to do a transfer or something. To go, you had to do a transfer of the terminal to get yeah, to the something next like that. So you actually got out. Yeah, yeah, so I mm. could get out if I wanted to, but like, you know, I didn't want to because I'm in Hong Kong and mm. I don't know anyone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I went outside, picked some mandarins, came back inside, and then I waited. And then while I was waiting, I saw this brown dude mm. walking around with an iPad, walking around like this. He would just walk around, lock down his iPad, look up, walking around, look down, look up. And then, um, and then he came close to me and then he goes, Junior? And then I was like, yes. <laughs> she was like, come with me, bro. So, um, yeah, so it turns out, so my wife called my coach, Lolo, and mm -hmm. then Lolo knew Lawrence Tawasa. So he is, so he was a professional boxer from Australia, Samoan descent, mm -hmm. and he was staying in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, so my coach got in contact with Lawrence and he told told him the story situation yeah. and then he went to the airport and just came looking for me wow and that is something that i'm so grateful for man, man. connect these connections hey eh? wow yeah, yeah. Wow. so for three days i stayed with him mm -hmm. um and we got our passport and we got my passport sorted um you know i stayed with him and his lovely family back then it was just him and i think just his one daughter mm. um i think now he's uh, i think i think he's, i think he's got a few kids now so uh after that, I finally got onto my flight to India, and then I landed, and then I was in the ring six hours later. Wow! Yeah, on yeah. the same day. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Same day. So I so I flew out of Hong Kong, landed in India, went through customs. I think they pushed me through pretty quick. 
So yeah, so that was cool. And then six hours later, I sorry, then I met up with the team, got a little bit of rest, got some food, um, and then yeah, and then I was fighting six hours later against a tough Russian boxer. Wow. He's a professional boxer now. Mm-hmm. Can't remember his name. I just remember. <laughs> so I think it's Aslan Makhmadov. Makhmadov, yeah. yeah, very very big right hand. Uh, so I came in and I just knew that I needed to move, you know. So I moved around, moved around, and I beat him on points. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, and then I think that was the craziest story from the WSB in India was uh, me just landing and fighting straight away. How, as, I mean, as a young kid being stuck at an airport, you know, not knowing what to do, and that's a pretty scary experience, but not having a lot of money on you as well. Having no money on me, bro. <laughs> I had no money on me. Uh, it was just me, you know, wow. young kid. Yeah, bro. I didn't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna be eternally grateful for Lawrence and my coach for sorting that out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You could have, you could have been like, you know, maybe even kidnapped or whatever. I still, yeah, bro. I still could have been there now, bro. <laughs> Take on him in the end of junior five. Oh, we got a big brown boy here. He might be a good child labor for us, work for us for free, maybe. <laughs> Straight up, man. Oh, oh boy. So that was basically that was the highlight of the um, the, the trip to uh, you know India, was it? Yeah. And what what about the other one? I understand you the second round you actually were with um, the British team, was it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So the next year. No, no. Um, that year is just at the end of the year. So I think I think the season starts at like November, mm. something, and then it goes through to like March or something. Mm. Um, yeah. So for that one, I was picked for the British Lionhearts, and there I got to train with the GB squad. Mm. So uh, yeah. So the national boxing team, a very very good bunch of talented people, hardworking people. You know. Mm. I got very fit when I went there, very very fit. Got to tra- um, got to train alongside Anthony Joshua, um, Joe Joyce now, Fraser Clark. Um, I think, I think a few of the Kiwi boys actually boxed for the British Lion Hearts too. So David Nika trained with them as well, and he uh, fought for them too. Patrick Malata, uh, Chad as well. So mm. yeah, so all of those guys. Went in um box with them. So they've got quite a like a big suite set up over there. And like they do, I think bro. there's like there's a lot of um, you know, help from just the yeah, the, the whole institution. Yeah, bro. So they got a few houses just down the road from where they train. So they train at the at the sports institute mm-hmm. and they got a bunch of houses just down the road from there, which which uh, they live. So that's where I was living for the months that I was there. Um I would be living with two Two people each week. Uh, throughout the week, you know, we'll be training together, living together, and then on the weekend they would all go home. And then uh, for the for for the weekend it'll just be me in the house. You oh, know? Uh, um, <laughs> you got the whole place to yourself, but pretty much. But like you know, but like at the times that I was there, I was just other on the streets, walking around, you know, trying just to exploring. go exploring. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, exploring and then just keeping my mattress downstairs next to the TV with all my cheeseburgers. <laughs> I would go to the McDonald's every weekend and order 10 cheeseburgers. Oh, what? <laughs> and then that'll be my like food food for the day. That's a lot of <laughs> cheeseburgers. Yeah, bro. 
I don't know how, how that's good for the diet, but okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely wasn't good for the diet, but I think at that time, man, I was just training so much, man. Mm. I would just burn it off anyway. Yeah, just burn it off. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, back then, it's a different story now. It's pretty interesting. So, any interesting stories or experiences uh, over there in England? That one, um... Man, it was just it was just a lot of hard training. A lot of hard training, man. Uh, yeah, so... After training with them, I can see how they excel so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, with the JB fighters, they get new guys in all the time, but they excel at a very, very high rate. It's because they're just kind of pushed into a very, very high demanding, um, intense, intense environment. You know. Mm where the coaches and your environment just forces you to, to like, you know, lift your game up. We were running every morning, um, you know, high intensity running, uh, doing conditioning in the afternoon, then boxing at night. And that took a toll on the body, man. But that builds up the mindset as well. It does. Yeah, it does. so after I trained there, I could see how they excel so quickly, you know. And, um, uh, but in terms of, like, any... Crazy stories. I don't really have any crazy stories. It, it, it was just cool to be there, and I got to travel throughout Europe when I was there too. Mm. So I would do all of the away fights. So I, I would travel to Ukraine. Um, that's actually where I boxed Usyk. Yeah, you I know? saw that one. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's to date the hardest guy that I've boxed mm. in the ring with. A very very tricky, very very tricky customer. Mm-hmm. Mm. How did you come about that decision to go professional? That one was interesting. So I I wasn't boxing at the time. So uh, I turned professional back in 2016. <clears throat> but um, after 2014, I just didn't box. So I wasn't boxing. And then Hemi Ahio was uh, boxing. He was ripping it up in the pro scene. He's here, still is. But he was preparing for a fight. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he needed sparring partners. And Lolo called me up and then he goes, oh, I do want to come in and help hear me out with his uh, upcoming fight. So I came in, helped him out. And then, um, and then he asked me, I was like, oh, I've actually got a tournament uh, starting up soon. Did you want to make a pro debut there? And then, uh, and then from there, I was like, yeah, sweet. Why not? Yeah, why, why not? not? Eh? You know, so uh, might as well. Yeah. So after Hemi knocked out his 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 opponent at the time, uh, I made my debut just a few months after. Um, yeah. So there wasn't really no big decision. It was just it was just an, it, it was just an opportunity that I was given. You know, mm-hmm. Lolo got me back to the gym, and then yeah, then he just asked, "Did you want to turn pro? Why not?" Again, Lolo has done a lot of things, eh? Oh, Another man. big one as well. Not just for me, but just for the entire sport. You know, mm. he's, he he has picked up the level and uh, striking in New Zealand, you know, dramatically. Mm-hmm. On to the professional uh, boxing career now. So you started off in 2016, was it? Mm-hmm. 2016. And once you started the first one, you just started to get back into it. And um, how, how do you, ex- you know, say your career has been so far? Or like, um, how's it been for you? Yeah, it's been very, very good so far. Um, so for my first year, I just tried to bring in as many fights as I can. That was the plan with my team. So we fought as much times as we could in that one in, in that first year. 
So when the first year I was with Lolo, but then we split, I think in my second or third fight, I think my third fight, we split, then I went to Henry Schuster. Mm. Um, and we stayed together and then uh, for the first year, sorry man, I'm just trying to backtrack, just trying to think of what happened. So I, yeah, so at the end of my first year of professional fighting, I got a promotion deal. So mm. I was picked up from a New York promoter, Lou DeBella, mm. who I'm still with now. So um, we linked up with him and now I get to travel overseas and fight for for bigger prizes basically. You know, mm, I get definitely. to I get to have that I get to have that exposure overseas. It's hard to it's hard to get exposed when you're down here. Mm. You know, unless you have a great team like uh, Joseph Parker's team, how they got Joko events. They 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 get to put on good good on promotions here and it gets broadcasted um, throughout the world. But uh, when I was starting out as pro, I didn't have that. So I got picked up from Lou DiBella and then, you know, now we're starting to do that and I'm starting to create a bigger name for myself. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think the big markets are like, you know, US, UK. That's 100%. where, you know, the rest, that's where the money is basically. And, yeah. uh, you know, just looking at the whole industry, you know, you can see, you know, that's where if you want to get exposure and mm. if, you know, as a, at the end of the day, it, it is price fighting. That's what yeah, it is. 100%. You know? It is price fighting. So like you, and if you want to make a living out of it, you can't be just, you know, doing the small shows and small events and. Yeah, no. You got to feed your family, bro. You got to feed the kids. Yeah. Because the time that I started pro, I had one child and then my daughter was born just a few days after my, my uh, pro debut. So wow. I think just a couple of days after my my uh, pro debut, my girl was born. So wow. uh, yeah, so I can't just do fights how I did back in the amateur days. You mm. know, it was, it was just fight to fight. Now I've got a family that I need to provide for. So um, yeah, so you know, I'm, I'm just trying to make a good good living from it, mm -hmm. um, and and it seems to be paying off so far. That's the one. That's the one. And hopefully, getting better along time as well. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, so talking about kids, bro, having a first kid, how was that like for you, bro? Like when you, when you had your first child? Yeah, it was good, bro. I remember. So back then I, I wasn't fighting back then and life was good, bro. I mm. got to live a normal dad life. You know, I got to go to work, come home, play with my son. Mm. Um, and that was great. And I liked that life. And then and like, you know, I always knew that there was something missing. I'm, I am very grateful that I and back in boxing now, but I don't regret having the time that I had when I was off boxing. Yeah, that was a good, maybe that was a good time off that you needed. 100% you know. I needed it, you know, because while I was off, I also got to really see how boxing was from a different perspective, you know, from the outside perspective. When you're just in, in the gym all the time and you're just training all the time, there's a few things you don't see, you know, from the, from the manager perspective, from the like other sides of boxing that you really don't see like the darker side of boxing the money side of boxing so all of that i kind of got a greater understanding when i wasn't in the gym training mm. um yeah so i had had my son he has autism mm -hmm. so for him that means uh that means he has trouble communicating verbally so he's I guess we can call him nonverbal. He does say some words, mm -hmm. but uh, 
you know, he, he can't string together sentences. Um, and for him, it's just, I've, I've been, and for us as parents, we're just trying to uh, make his environment comfortable where he can vocalize his um, ideas and what he's trying to say. Um, at, what, at what age did you, um, did you guys actually figure out that he had autism? Did you tell? I think I think almost two. I think all two. yeah, yeah, two wishes when we took him in to get uh, what is it tested mm, or something. Mm. Um, but it's like a checkup where they evaluate and see. Yeah. Mm. But when he was young, I I always knew he was going to learn different because babies, you know, when they're young. Um, Usually when you hold them, they are staring at your eyes or they're staring at your lips when they move. Um, he wasn't doing that. So I knew that he wasn't going to be like a visual learner. I knew that uh, I knew that if I was going to teach him something, it would have to be a different way. Although back then I didn't know about autism. So I knew he was going to learn differently, but I didn't know what it was. And then when we got him uh, assessed, yeah, it turns out he did have autism. Um, and that just means that we just have to have a different approach for him for everything, you know. We can't just raise him up like a normal, uh, typical child. Um, I was talking to my friend, I think a few years ago. He he has a Down syndrome boy, and um, he actually brought up a good point. He says uh, he says sometimes he feels for the um, autistic children because. At least of all, uh, at least of Down syndrome, you can physically see that there's something different. Mm. But with the autistic children, they all look the same. Like you know, you can't really tell that my boy is different when he's acting out in front of people. People might think, "Oh man, that's just a spoiled kid," you know, "That's just a naughty kid." But they don't know that he's like having a meltdown or a sensory overload. So when I say sensory overload, that's what most of the uh, autistic children have a problem with. They have a problem with processing their um, senses. So they, so like you know, throughout the day, they're like they're like listening might be enhanced, and they can hear like a lot more things that we can hear. Um, and then and then that sense might be overloaded, and then that will cause them to kind of you know act out. Um, or their like you know, or their smell, or, um, or their smell sense might be heightened, or their sight might be different, you know. Mm. So uh, yeah. How, so, how do you? How was it? Um, how do you guys like you and your missus? How did you react when you first found out? Like, was it was it a, a, a hard? We so we had two different approaches. So my wife kind of broke down a little, you know, not not uh, too much, but I think for me, having an athlete background, you know, we. Um, we we kind of always uh, do things differently. Like you know, we always like to solve the problem. Like you know, we are faced with a problem, or we're faced with a different opponent, and we try to strategize a way to attack that thing. So yeah, so it was basically the same thing. When once we found out that he did have autism, first thing for more for me was like, okay, how how do we help him? You know, I didn't. I didn't have time to feel sorry for him. I didn't need to feel sorry for mm -hmm. him. Like you know, it is what it is. We just have to learn how to, how adapt. to you know, yes, very much so. Like you know, you, you just adapt and help him out. 
So yeah, so that was my first reaction. And uh, the journey so far has been great. You know, my my wife is by far a better expert on autism than than um, I am. You know, she does a lot of studies and research. She does a lot of mm. studies. She has big plans for um for the autism back uh, for the autism community. You know, she wants to do a few things with it, mm. um, which she's working on right now. <clears throat> but for me, I I know a bit about autism, and I definitely know my son. So mm-hmm. yeah, as long as I know how to help him out, then I'm happy. Yeah, man. That I saw what I wanted to share was um, pretty interesting as well. Just a couple of days ago, um, one of my flatmates actually was looking at a documentary on Netflix about mm. a uh, boy who actually has autism, mm. and uh, he currently holds the world record for solving the Rubik's cube. Oh yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. Have you seen that one? No, that one no. Bro, you need to check that out because yeah. this kid, he is like a genius, bro. Yeah. So, well, uh, if if people are wondering, like I've never solved that Rubik's Cube <laughs> before, yeah. right? And um, this kid with uh, autism, I think for Chinese background, mm. uh, living in the US, I might be wrong, sorry, I might be wrong, but um, yeah, so living in the US and um, just one day his parents gave him the Rubik's Cube. He started playing with the cube and like he, he just wouldn't stop. And he just he just kept going and going and going. True. Yeah, and um, so they they saw something special there. Yeah. And they found out that this kid was actually so good with the Rubik's cube, and he was solving it way faster than everybody else. Wow. So and he was just you know he was just fully hundred percent focused on the Rubik's cube, kept going, and so they have like three by three, four by four, yep. five by five, you know, that sort of thing. And so like this kid went on to compete like at a, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a national event. And so he won and then he went on to international events and then he just started to break world records, bro. Wow. He just started to break <laughs> world records. And I was watching, um, you know, the, the, the footage of the, the competition, bro. And it was... But it was so interesting. Like this kid, he's just fully focused. Like, you know, his focus is 110%. You know, when he's doing something, he's fully focused, bro. Nothing is distracting him. Yeah, they get obsessed with some things. They do, bro. They do. And that is so powerful. Solving a Rubik's Cube is not simple, bro. Yeah. People think it's easy. Yeah. But there's so many ways and like, you know, so many strategies they need to remember, so many formulas. And how this kid has actually like, put all that in his head and solve that in that matter of, I think, less than 10 seconds. Yeah. And the speed at, the, at which they're yeah. going, bro, I was like, wow. Yeah, I was it's so crazy. impressed, man. It's, um, yeah, so, so with autism, <clears throat> so back in the day, it was just autism. Now it's autism spectrum disorder because they've, they've now realized that autism is not just one thing. Um, I think back then they kind of had a checklist like, yeah, like, you know, if you have this and this and this, that means you're autistic. But then now they kind of know, oh, no, 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 no. It's such a wide, wide range. Um, whereas now we kind of have to put them on a spectrum, you know, mm. um, and there's no two cases that are the same. So, uh, so with like autism, you would see so many different types of people coming from different backgrounds. And and you definitely have the talented ones, you know. You, you definitely have the real, real talented genius ones. I know that I, w- I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast just the other day, um, which is so funny because I'm on the New Zealand version of Joe Rogan right now. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, so um, yeah, so I, I was I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast, and this guy was talking about how he works with this autistic kid, and this kid has uh, photographic memory. So, um, so I think they were painting together, um, and they went up to a hill and they saw like the city, and then the kid turned around and then he just started painting it just from memory, you know. Um, and like you know, that to me was like, man, like you know, these kids. Like some of them have tapped into certain parts of the brain where it's like where it's like unreachable for like you know for like other people um so yeah, but that goes to say that it's not like it's not just an autistic thing it is a different case to case because like you know we do have people typical people who are just geniuses, you know geniuses in themselves that we have different people who are just talented in something else. You know, you you got the physical specimens, you have the just the geniuses, you have the artistic people. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I thought that was something that I needed to say because <clears throat> sometimes I remember when my kid was first diagnosed with autism, I think some of the, some of the thought process behind it is that people think that all of them are geniuses. But then I was like, oh, no, because, like, you know, if that was the case, that means, um, like, you know, if uh, if uh, Bill, Bill Gates is a genius, that means all of us are geniuses. Like, you know, like, uh, we're not all geniuses, but we all have different... Talents and skills. Different talents, and different mm -hmm. skills. And that's just the same for, like, you know, autistic people. They're not all geniuses. They all have different skills, different talents. Hey guys, Ali here. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your love and your support. If you're not already on board, please do follow us on here and share it with your friends and family. If you prefer a visual experience, our videos are actually up on YouTube at the Ali channel. Please don't forget to subscribe, like and share and leave a comment or feedback if you like. And also you can follow us on our socials at the underscore Ali underscore channel for Instagram and on our Facebook page at The Ali Channel. We'll see you soon, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Okay, so you went on to train um, at City Kickboxing. Uh, when, when was that move, and how do you decide yeah, that to one, make that move? That one was interesting. So I moved in 2000 and... Oh, 2017, I think. So I was with Henry Schuster, and then, <clears throat> um, and then I split from Henry Schuster. He's he's man. He's such a good guy, man. Have you met him? No, I haven't no, actually. I haven't had a yeah. chance to meet him. No, but. Yeah, he's yeah, he's just a good fellow. Bro. I, I, I like Henry. Um, so yeah, so I split from him. So I so I knew that I needed to go somewhere else, you know. Mm. Um, and at that time, City Kickboxing didn't have any like full-time boxers you know i think some of the kickboxers would would like you know jump in the ring sometimes and have boxing fights but they wouldn't stay in boxing you know there would be kickboxers doing boxing fights or there would be mma fighters doing boxing fights i, d I don't think they had any boxers back then so uh i kind of went with my team and then we were discussing different places to go um and then city kickboxing came up and then i was like 
yeah, I know it's not a boxing background, but I know the guys there, you know. Um, I know Eugene, I know Doug, and we came from the from the same gym back in the day, so I know so I know what they're gonna teach is good. You know, and, and like you know, also at that time they had Dan Hooker, they had Israel Adesanya, they got Kai. But back then I think it was only Dan that was in the UFC then. Um, but yeah, yeah, but you had the other guys just ripping it up <laughs> anyway. Mm, mm. So yeah, so yeah, so then we we kind of knew that it was gonna be not like a risk, but more of just like a, just a different look, you know. Because I'm I'm a professional boxer going into a kickboxing gym, I knew that people will be like, "Hey, you know." Yeah, so, I think um, people get uh, get that a bit when you tell them you're training at City Kickboxing. They're like, yeah, yeah, what, yeah what? And they're like, "What? <laughs> you're a boxer, you know?" Um, yeah, but yeah, but little do they know these guys are like striking geniuses, you know, mm -hmm. Eugene and Doug, and um, both of them balance each other out, you know. You you they have two different approaches with their striking. One's a lot more aggressive, one's a lot more calculated. You know, these two other the um two of the gym, you also have uh Tristram who's in Mangere and he comes in every now and then, you know, he's also another genius and he brings in a different uh uh looking at his like own flavour into the gym as well. Um, he's he's actually someone that I need to start working with as well. You know, I, I'm definitely keen to be working with Twist. So, um, yeah, so I'm going. So hopefully in the, in the near future, I'll be training with him or like, you know, doing some kind of sessions with him. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's how I came into the gym. And then when I came, then, uh, and then, you know, and then Izzy moved into the UFC, then Kai got into the UFC, Brad got into, into the UFC, and now everyone's just ripping up. That's what that's what's interesting as well, when you're in an environment where everybody's pushing you to, you know, attain a higher level. Mm. And, like, it's a good environment to be in, you know. it's It pushes you. It's a great environment to be in because you get to see and train alongside them and you see why. They're so good, you know. You uh, um, when we're doing the fitness sessions together, and we're pushing ourselves on the bike, on the assault bike, you know, and that bike sucks. Um, when I look over to the UFC boys, they aren't afraid to get their body into that real dark, dark place, you know. Um, like you know, you can push yourself to a limit, but then there's but then, like, you know, there's that, like, yeah. extra 10%. Mm, untapped. Yeah, yeah. Area. Yeah, man, like, you know, that you can go, but your body just kind of refuses to, like, you know, go there. And then when I watch them train, I can see them go into that dark place and it sucks, you know. But after that, um, but then, oh, sorry, but then um, after seeing them do that, you you really see why they are at a different level. So, uh yeah, so for me seeing that, I definitely know what I need to do with my uh, training, you know, to lift it up. Yeah, man, definitely. I think that's pretty, yeah, like when, when, I, when I first came over as well and I saw like the trainings they were doing and, you know, stuff that they were learning as well, like it's not what you learn or what you do at a conventional no. you know, gym. And that's what just makes it so interesting and, you know, just the level of expertise that's there. Mm. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. People, you know, people underestimate the uh, power of Eugene and Duck. 
yeah. and like twist and you have Mike and Mike Engove there yeah. and you have, you know, the other, the BJJ trainers, you yeah. have the wrestling, wrestling trainers. Coaches, so, yeah. so there's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of brains behind <laughs> the whole operation that people don't see. Yeah. And I think that's, that's uh, the other good thing is that each of them can all work together. Because I think sometimes you go to other gyms and there's one head coach, you know, and he's very protective of his fighters. These guys, um, I think what, what makes them so successful is that they're all willing to learn and, and they're willing to learn off each other and off um, other coaches as well. You know, some, some coaches are so set in their ways uh, when you try to present a different idea towards them they all say, nah, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. You it know? does not open to... No, you. no. Yeah. whereas, you know, those guys are, you know, they they definitely know what will work for their fighters and what won't. So, um, yeah, so with them being open-minded, I think that I think that's part of their success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the uh, future plans for yourself? So, yeah, so there's a post... So right now... For this whole for this whole COVID thing, man, it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's really really messed up my year, bro. So <laughs> I had a scheduled fight. Oh wait, hold on. Before before you go into that, um, just before this whole COVID thing happened, yeah. I understand you were actually in a training camp with uh, Deontay Wilder. Yes. Yeah. I was like, how, how was that? Before we get into, how was that whole experience, bro? Um, yeah, but that one was actually US. yeah, very very good. So that was my. Third time there. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So, so you've been there a bit. Yeah. So mm. uh, so I so first time I went there was for the Tyson Fury fight. The first. The first one. one. Um, yeah, that was that was my first time there. Uh, second time there was for the Dominic Brazil fight. Mm. When they called me in for the Dominic Brazil fight, I I just knew straight away. I was like, Deontay does not need anyone here for this fight because <laughs> style wise. You know, uh, style-wise, um, Deontay had this fight, you know, because the fella was just going to walk in like this, which is exactly what happened. He just walked in like this, Deontay, boop, boop, yeah. dropped him. That was the <laughs> first round. That was it. Uh, yeah, so I, I was there for the first Tyson Fury fight, and then earlier on this year, I was there for the second one as well. Um, and when I went there... And I uh, saw the way they were training and I saw what um, he was doing. You know, I, I picked up a lot of good things. But I think the main thing that I picked up from Deontay was his mindset. You know, he has an incredible mindset where he 100% believes in himself. You know, he, like, you know, they are different in the States, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I was trying to, to uh, compare the trainings that we have over here compared to there. And there's actually not much difference, you know? So uh, so for myself, I see that we train a lot harder in the gym in uh, city kickboxing. So then why why is there like, uh, why is there a bit of a difference when it comes to a fighter from the States, you know? And um, yeah, and then I just nailed it down to their confidence and their belief in themselves. Whereas I think in New Zealand, sometimes we get a bit more humble here and we're scared to kind of overstep certain lines with, with certain things you know we don't boast that much so I think that kind of I think that kind of allows us to like you know kind of pull ourselves back in and kind of pull our own ego back into ourselves whereas over there they just embrace 
uh, their uh, strengths, you know. Um, the mental game. Yeah, bro. They're like, mental game is different. You know, they uh, just totally confident and totally believe in themselves. A, a little bit arrogant, but I think it plays in their favor mm. in terms of uh, sports. You, you, I think you need to have, when you're competing at like a very high level, you need to have a little bit of arrogance. A little bit, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. it will help as well, you know. 100% you do, you know. You can't, um, you can't second guess yourself. You know, you can't second guess yourself, especially in boxing, you know, because that makes the... Uh, that makes the fights a bit too cautious. I've been like, you know, I've been in that um I've been in that state too where I've been too cautious in fights and then like, you know, I've I've uh I've gone into fights where I've been overly aggressive, you know. I've I've been into fights where like, you know, I've just sat behind my jab for the whole fight and I should have done more. And then I've been into fights where I've just gone in there swinging and those are the fights where I should have sat back more. So, uh, yeah, so it's just good to kind of know yourself to a T so that you can perform at your peak, you know. So, uh, yeah, so I think that's just the, I think that's an ongoing battle for athletes, not not just fighters, you know. Mm -hmm. People people really need to learn themselves to a T so that they know how to bring themselves up to a level that they need to be when they're performing in front of people or like, you know, when they're uh, in the ring <clears throat> fighting or when they're on the track sprinting. Yeah. So that experience, um, how do you find the, um, you know, that whole experience just living and staying there in the US and uh, how, was, how was that like? Yeah, it was good. It's, it's, it's for the, uh, especially for the Deontay Wilder camp, you know, we were just kept in a hotel. They would always did, be- Did they set you up at like a good hotel? Yes. Put, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a, a good hotel, yeah. Um, yeah. So we would be kept in a hotel. There would be uh, three of us fighters there. So uh, the way that he sets it up, there's always three three sparring partners. So it'll be me and two other fighters, and then there'll be a coach there as well. Um, you know, we would be going to training and then coming back and then just going out to eat somewhere. You know, that was basically our daily routine. Yeah. Where do you guys go to eat? Is it? Different places all the time, right? Different yeah. places all the time. So uh, I saw some, I saw some Instagram stories that yeah. you posted, like some fast food and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that would have been me eating by myself. <laughs> yeah, so I went there with you, and like you know, for the weekends I'll go to like Popeyes or yeah. or like you know Chick Fil A stuff that stuff that we don't have here. Mm. I, I um, yeah, bro, I definitely go out and you know try them out and see if I like them or not. Mm. And bro. Fast food is great over there, bro. <laughs> I like it, man. It's like extra greasy, which is something I love. You know, I love, bro. I love that stuff, bro. So, so uh, but as a heavyweight, like you know, you, you can't enjoy that. That's our downfall, bro. <laughs> I think the downfall for heavyweights is that we don't have a weight limit. Mm. So there's a certain weight that we need to be above, but there's nothing that that we can be. It's not cap. Under. No, bro. There's like no cap. So. Yeah, so like it's a double-edged sword for mm. us, you know. That can be quite dangerous, eh? Very, very dangerous, especially for someone like me who's a foodie. You know, mm. I I love to eat. You love your food. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, right. So yes, yeah, so, yes, yeah. So that's an ongoing battle with me. Thank goodness that I teamed up with my new nutritionist just before this lockdown happened. Mm. So I went and saw my nutritionist, Jordan Earl. Uh, he took one look at me and then was like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He did it. He did it. But then, like, you know, like, come on, man. I'm thinking, oh, man. 
oh man, I'm like, you know, I'm like so much bigger. Yeah. You know, you know? so, uh, yeah. So, uh, so we got my diet sorted and then this lockdown happened and then I'm, I'm just thankful that I got this diet sorted before this lockdown because uh, on that last lockdown, I kind of let myself go a bit. This lockdown, there's yep. no chance of that happening. Yeah, discipline eh, on this yeah. one. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, back to so sorry, I had to interrupt. Then um, yep. back to the second um, fight, you went for the second camp before the lockdown, and so after that whole training camp, and when you saw the results of the fight, mm. man, what was your reaction to that, bro? It was expected, you know. I, I I knew Deontay Wilder was going to knock Dominic Brazil out early, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, and that's exactly what happened, you know. When when he knocked him out, I think I sent a video to my mate, and then I think I was just like, "What?" Because yeah. because like like you know because it was a bad knockout, mm. you know. It, 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 it was a very bad knockout, and but that uh, was, that was definitely a, a very you know impressive win. Having yeah. a knockout like that, that was crazy. Yeah. Definitely. And then so you went we went back again after that for another training camp before mm-hmm. the Tyson Fury rematch. Yeah. And so did they do anything differently in the rematch? Or, you know, it was pretty much it kept to routine of what you guys had. Some new Yeah, pretty yeah, pretty much kept to routine. So uh so it, it was it was all pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was all pretty much the same. So I was expecting like a similar fight to the first one, but I think the main thing, the main difference was Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury came out with a different game plan mm-hmm. and the game plan that he had just seemed to work on Deontay for the first couple of rounds. But then on that, was it the third round where he hooked him and he like ruptured his ear or something? Yeah. As soon as that happened, the fight was over, man. Deontay didn't have any legs anymore. Yeah, you, you know? could you could see that when I think yeah. when he took that big hit to the ear and you know they were he saying, he he was just stumbling from corner to corner. So from there I was like, damn it, he's he's got no legs on him anymore. Yeah. Just lose your bearings, eh? When you Yeah, you know? bro. But yeah, bro. I think that's basically what happened, you know, is like Ed is just like, you know, ruptured and then his balance was gone. Bro, but he kept he just kept going and you know He's he's tough, bro. Oh, he just I think kept in going. I think in that one, I think in that fight, he he definitely showed his toughness. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, um fight had to be was it, you know, they, they called off the fight, was it? Yeah. It, so it was not actually stopped by the ref. I think his team yeah. actually decided to stop the fight. So yeah. oh, I wouldn't really say good, but might have been a safer thing to do yeah you know as a coach you want to make sure that your fighter one yeah one yeah 100 goes back in like you know yeah. a, a decent condition yeah and like um you know it, it could be you know just to you know you lose this one today and you come back again, again tomorrow another one you know and you don't just like go completely out yeah i think i think that's um i, I remember i was watching your podcast with kevin um, and Kevin was saying that boxing is dangerous, uh, is like you know more more dangerous than MMA. And I think the reason why is that it's there's so much more contact. But when someone is knocked down in MMA, there's a chance that the fight's just going to end right there. Um, if the fellow jumps on him and and like you know he throws a bit more punches, the fight's finished. If someone gets knocked down in the boxing ring, they get ten seconds to like you know get back up, mm. and then and then uh, when they do get back up and they show that they're all right, then the fight continues. They can carry on. Obviously, the good the um ob- obviously the fighters concussed, and the fellas just gonna fight through that concussion. Um, yeah, bro. And I think I think 
I'm pretty sure that's what he was meaning in the terms of boxing being so, so brutal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so in terms of the Deontay Wilder fight, I think the I think um, his coach definitely had the best intentions for him because I don't think Tyson Fury would have knocked him out. And I, I definitely think that that beating would have just lasted throughout the whole fight. Deontay Wilder's tough. Tyson Fury's not the biggest puncher. And... Um, I think if that fight went on, it would have just caused a lot more damage in his brain, um, which you, like you know, which is which isn't good. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so with them throwing in the towel, he he definitely had the best intentions at heart. Mm. To look after your fighter, you know, I think yeah, um, yeah, that's really important. Like you, you not only you got to think at the back of his mind. Maybe you're thinking about his family, you yeah, know, his kids, 100%. you know, people who who. Would depend on him you know yeah so yeah and i mean it would it would have been a better um, yeah you know just a better option and sometimes and sometimes tough fighters are too tough for their own good you know um and that is the job for the coaches to to like you know come in and say that's enough you know um because you know some fights you see the fighters they just you know they're like still they're like still in the ring they are they are getting beaten up but they can hack it but just because they can um, hack it, it shouldn't mean that the fight should um, continue. Yeah, no, you know? that's so, it. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, and then, okay, back to um, where I interrupted you just now. Yep. About uh, future plans. So, future plans. Um, what's happening? What's happening? Yeah. So, like I was saying, COVID just stuffed all the year up. So, I had a fight scheduled for uh, in New York at the start of the year. Uh, but then with this COVID thing happening, that just kind of wiped all that out. And then um, now we're in talks with uh, Team Parker. So uh, just Parker and I could be fighting at the end of the year if negotiations continue going well. Uh, we started, so our team started talking like a few months ago, you know, and, um, you know, there were, there, were, there were very, very early talks but what I found funny is that um, is that David Higgins started putting out posts out on Facebook straight away, mm. and uh, I think what he was doing was that he was trying to bring my name down in the in the public eye, uh, which to me doesn't really matter because that's just trying to demonize me in front of people that don't know me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, and people that don't know me, their their opinions don't matter to me. Yeah, that's and, it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, and that really should be the case for everyone, you know. With this uh, social media age, sometimes other people's opinions really take a toll on people. But I'm th- I'm I'm thinking, why should they? Yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like you know, for like you know, for you and I, you know, maybe we have reached a certain level where you know we only care, we really care about people around us, you know, like yeah. our family and our friends, you know, our partners and all that. Like, but outside of that circle, what people say don't really affect us that much. It shouldn't. Yeah. But, but it does. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think it comes with age. Yeah, that's Maybe it. Maybe it comes with age. It's age and mentality is another, bro. Mm. You know, I see a lot of people, even adults as well, like they've get, they just get so affected by what people yeah. say, you know. Yeah, true. And, and like, you know, one thing, people really need to come to terms with is, you know, these people have, you know, have nothing to do with you, you know? Yeah, and, exactly. And that's the thing, like, you know, if 
if they don't have, um, I, I think I saw a, a post somewhere, you know, if if someone doesn't have your mobile number, they don't have a right to have a problem with you. If you yeah. think about it, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. it makes a lot of sense, bro. And yeah. like, you know, when you allow, um, the other thing as well is if you allow positive comments to really like lift you up high, mm. it will also allow negative comments to put you down low. Yeah, that's true. Eh? So you got to be careful when people like praise you and say good things about it, you know, yeah, you know, you, of, yeah. of course you're thankful for that, you know, yeah. but you got to be careful when you get so lifted, you allow people's words to control your emotions. Exactly. Exactly. And I, uh, you, you, yeah. That's exactly how I look at my posts as well. Sometimes when I post something up on Facebook or like on Instagram, I, I never check the comments, you know? Um, and pretty much 99% of them are always good, mm -hmm. you know, always good. But like, you know, at the same time, I, I don't let that control my, mm, definitely. control my emotions. Everybody has the right to have their own opinions. Yeah. You, know? you can, yeah. you can like and dislike whatever you it want. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so you were saying about the yeah. stuff that he so, put up, you know, trying to... Yeah, so yeah, so I think they were trying to demonize me early, um, early uh, or try to maybe bully my team into taking a, a fight for little money or mm -hmm. something, you know? So um, yeah, so we went in talks a while ago, but now that this, uh, now that the, the talks have continued, we have reached... Um, we have reached like common ground. We are a lot closer to actually finalizing a fight. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so I would say we we will definitely be fighting, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, at the uh, end of the year. So uh, you know, fingers crossed that this thing goes through. You know, um, hopefully his team is happy, my team are happy. If if everyone's happy, then this fight's gonna happen. You know, I definitely know me and Joseph are gonna be happy to fight. It's just making sure that everyone else is happy, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, then as soon as that happens, it'll be Joseph Parker versus Junior Far. That's the one, that's the one. We look. I mean, personally, I'll be looking forward to that as well. Yeah. That'll be a great fight to watch, you know, all across, New not only in, like, you know, New Zealand, but across the board everywhere, you know? Yeah, I think it's a great fight. For me, it was a bit early because I had plans to fight him later on, you know? I definitely wanted to lift up my... Uh, what's what's the word? My uh, my resume a bit, you know. Um, he has fought so many big names. I needed bigger names myself, you know, to kind of make this fight make sense. But since this COVID thing happened, there wasn't that opportunity to get those big fights that I wanted. Um, this opportunity is here now, so. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Grab the opportunity while it's there. Yeah, you know? definitely. 100%. Um, I mean, 100%. We're, we're definitely all looking forward to that. And uh, you know, definitely, we wish you the best, bro. Thank you. Um, and, um, it, you know, styles makes fights. And, um, you know, it's more than anything, you know, people will enjoy the fights, bro. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it is entertainment at the it's end of the, the day. It's the entertainment business, man. It's the hurt it's, business it's too. The hurt so business people too, are going to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But looking forward to that one. Um, so, Junior, before we go, I usually ask all my guests, um, <clears throat> do you have any words of advice for people listening? Yeah, I do. Um, hmm. uh, I think one comes into mind and, you know, it's always my son, you know. So, 
my son with him being different, uh, I think what makes this world so much, oh, I, I mean, I think what makes this world like bad is that is people's understanding, you know? Um, people really need to open their mind and really, and really, uh, you know, try to learn that everyone's not the same. I was talking to my friend who actually uh, went to a religious school and he said that in their schools they would learn about different religions as well. And then, like, you know, I said to him, man, that is great because that broadens your understanding. That doesn't mean that you're this closed-minded fool who just kind of thinks that different people are silly or are stupid. Um, I can't get along. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, and I'm also, oh, what's, what's that guy's name? I can't, I can't remember his name, but that fellow who, man, I really should have looked this up be, be, before I came on this podcast, but that guy who changes people in the KKK. You oh, seen that yes. dude? Yes, 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 yes. The um, African American guy. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that one, bro. That was a yeah. powerful interview, man. I forgot his name as well. Yeah. So, I yeah. So, well. so he kind of has this quote, or that instant in his interview with that KKK member, he was saying what made them both kind of angsty. So, yeah. So there's this time in this interview where they both kind of got like in a real bad situation but that's because both of them did not understand each other. And I think that's his point is that when there's understanding, there's, there's less fear. I think that's the thing. I think he's saying what, what uh, makes people hate people is that they don't, oh, is that they fear them and they fear them because they don't understand them. I think that's, I think that's what I'm definitely trying to bring across, especially with my son being different. I don't want people to look at him like in a weird way. So I really want people to broaden their understanding about everyone so that there's less judgment, so that there's less fear with the different people, and so that there's, there's just more acceptance. I feel like with a lot more acceptance and a lot more understanding, this world's going to be a lot better. Definitely, bro, 100%. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, like when people don't understand is when usually they're afraid. Yeah. And then they'll treat people differently. So yeah, 100%. If we make the um, effort to learn and know about this stuff just makes it better. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot better. And and especially with the way that that this world is going now, definitely needs it. So, mm. uh, yeah. So just you know. Oh well. More. Anyway, Junior, um, I think we um, we've we've been going for like quite a while. So <laughs> we, we should probably um, wrap up our. Um, uh, this episode yeah, um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming um, and being part of this uh, podcast bro and um, giving your time having a chat with us we appreciate your time and uh, also we just want to wish you all the best um, oh, thank you so much for your upcoming fights in your future your pro boxing career and also um, with your son as well that hopefully you guys try to you know find out what his special skills are and yeah, yeah, uh, tap into that because, yeah. you know, that's something that I look forward to, you know. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, so that about wraps it up. So, nah, Thank you. That's us for today. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, bro. Hey, guys. Ali here. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your love and your support. If you're not already on board, please do follow us on here and share it with your friends and family. If you prefer a visual experience, our videos are actually up on YouTube at the Ali channel. 
please don't forget to subscribe like and share and leave a comment or feedback if you like and also you can follow us on our socials at the underscore ali underscore channel for instagram and on our facebook page at the ali channel we'll see you soon 